I love all my kids, um, but, but I, McKinley this week for, for my birthday went to the store and picked me out some really cool new socks. Yeah, do you like those? Can you get a close-up on that? Can you see those Colorado socks? She picked those out. She like, she's like, I'm getting Dad some socks. Took Melissa to the mall, got some socks for me. I love it. Um, I'm so grateful for her. And now that she's five and a half, you know, we read the Bible every night and read some other fun stories every night. And the other day, uh, we were talking, and, and she said, you know, Matt, and she has this friend, um, we'll call her Alice, that lives across the street. They play together all the time. And, and, and she said, Dad... And it's a, I told her, I'd, I asked her permission to share this story in case you guys are wondering. Uh, and she said, Dad, you know, I haven't told Alice that I'm a Christian. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. I said, you know, why, why haven't you? And she said, well, Matt, I'm afraid. She said, Dad, not Matt. <laughs> she, Dad. she does call me Matt Daddy sometimes, which I like. She said, Dad, I'm, I'm afraid. And I said, well... Well, what are you afraid of? She said, I'm afraid that she won't be my friend anymore. And I share that story because isn't that how all of us feel at times? Like, I felt that way, and I'm like, girl, I feel you. <laughs> right? I think we've all felt that way. We have fears, and maybe it's not fear that it will end the relationship necessarily, but we're afraid what people will think of us or how they'll respond, or we're, we're afraid maybe they'll ask a question that I won't have the answers to. <laughs> what am I going to do in that situation? And a lot of times it's fear that keeps us from sharing our faith. But Jesus commands us to share our faith. It's not like an option like, if you want, you can share your faith. No, we're commanded. Therefore, go and make disciples. Two things that Jesus said before he left earth, like he's already died, risen from the dead. He's like, two things I got to tell you. One, go make disciples. And one, be my witnesses. Okay? So we're commanded to do this. He's like, I don't want you to forget this. And yet sharing our faith can be terrifying. So we're just starting out by saying that every single one of us had had those moments of fear with friends, with family, with a coworker. What are they going to think? What's my boss going to think if I share my faith? And so how do we get over those fears? And I can't, you know, just make you bold and courageous today. But what I, we can do is talk about five simple ways to share your faith. And that's what this series is. Five simple ways to share your faith. And bless is an acrostic an acrostic, because I always get and mix up what that is. It's an acrostic, B-L-E-S-S. And it's very simple. So over the next five weeks, we're going to learn one of each of these five simple ways. And it is one, to begin with prayer. Two, to eat. Yes, eat. You guys like that in there? Somebody should cheer for eat. I, I skipped the L, didn't I? Everybody's so nice to me today. I'm just messing up left and right. Begin with prayer. Listen. Eat. <laughs> I should listen to myself. Eat, serve, and story. And that last one is share your story. So that's what we're going to learn, those five things that we're going to learn in this series. And it's just, they're real simple. And if you can learn to do these five things, you're going to be amazed at how God uses those simple acts of faith to stir faith in other people as we share it and, and we see lives transformed by Jesus. So this series, this acrostic actually comes from a great book called, you guessed it, Bless. Can we get a close up on Bless right there? This series by Dave and John Ferguson, pastors at a church in Chicago, wrote this great book. It's so simple. I loved it. I read it earlier this year and I'm like, wow, this is so good. We got to talk about this. So we're actually, um, even though we have our own series, but they're based on these five things, this book is so good that I want you guys to have it. So every week in this series, we're giving away a copy. 
Okay, so I have a little QR code up here, or you can go to risedenver.com book, and if you fill out that form, you can do it right now. I'll let you take out your phone. Every week, we're going to pull another drawing. So we're going to have a new drawing every single week, and it's going to be like live. So if you're watching this online, till midnight tonight, midnight Mountain Standard Time, okay? Please enter right now if you want to copy this book. But every week, we're going to be doing it. So enter now. Enter every week, okay? You can do that, everybody. And if you're online, we will send it to you, okay? Just because you're online doesn't... You can still get this book, so, so please... Uh, do that form too. It's a great book. In, in fact, we talked about it. We had the whole uh, elder board and our staff read this book, and, and we were talking about it at our elder prayer meeting this week. And Chris, can I talk about it? Chris was like, yeah, I, I read it, and then my mother-in-law took it, and she read it, and then my wife took it, and she was reading it. You know, And it's that good of a book. So I want to encourage you guys to read it. Bless. Okay, so what to, we're going to do today, we're going to look at a passage from the end of Matthew chapter 9. So if you have a Bible, open it up with me to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. If you have the Bible app on your phone, the YouVersion Bible app, use that. You can find the Arise Church Denver event and take notes right there and see the scripture that we're going to be looking at today. And we're going to learn four points about how to begin with prayer, because yes, that's the first one, begin with prayer. And there's four things that I want you to start praying for, and there are things that come from this passage with Jesus. And the first one, if we're going to begin with prayer, is that we need to pray for a heart of compassion. Pray for a heart of compassion. So I'm going to start reading in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says that Jesus went through all of the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Verse 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had what? What did he have? Compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus sees all these people in all these towns that he's traveling to. He's teaching them the good news of Jesus. Uh, that's his good news, the good news of the kingdom, that you could be welcomed to this kingdom through forgiveness and the Holy Spirit coming. And as he's teaching this, he has compassion on the crowds. This is the heart of Jesus, a heart of compassion, a heart that sees people and doesn't think, oh, why can't you just take care of yourself? It doesn't say, why don't you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps? Get your life together. So messed up. Why are you doing such stupid things? Didn't somebody raise you better than that? You don't hear any of those things from Jesus, do you? He has a heart of compassion. So what I think we need to do is pray that we would have the same heart. I think if we're going to do these things that Jesus does and, and be able to share our faith like he did so boldly and he commanded us to, we've got to start by a heart of compassion because a lot of times we're more like that second type of person who sees someone like, how could you be so stupid? Have you ever thought that about someone? What, what are you doing with your life? Like you keep making the same mistakes again and again and again, right? How many bad relationships do you have to have? This is what you're thinking in your head, right? Sometimes we post about it on social media. Uh-oh, right? We're, we're judgmental. We're, we're thinking about all the things this person has done wrong. And, and a heart of compassion is different. A heart of compassion realizes that people are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They're sheep wandering astray. If we could just see that in people's eyes and hearts and know in their life, yes, they're making bad decisions. Yes, maybe they're sinning. But they're just like sheep wandering away and don't know any better. And people are harassing them. There are awful things happening to them. If you would have known what their parents did to them, you would not be so judgmental. Or the parents that they didn't even have. Or the thing that happened to them when they were a high school senior. 
If you would know some of those stories, I think we would have the same compassion that Jesus did. You realize there's a reason why they're struggling. They've been harassed. And they can't help themselves. That's what Jesus is saying. They're, they're helpless. No one can save themselves. Did you guys know that? No one can save themselves. The gospel of Jesus Christ means that he has to come down and save us because we were incapable of saving ourselves. We can't. Nobody can. So if you're like, why don't they just do it better? It's like, well, they can't. And what if we had the same heart that Jesus has? I think it would really transform how we interact with people around us if we had a heart of compassion. So that's what the first thing I'm going to challenge you guys to, to have a heart of compassion. Um, you know, it's really interesting. Um, the numbers are a little lower overall, but there, there was a study a few years ago that looked at that sharing your faith, this idea of telling other people that you believe in Jesus, and they should too, that 46% of my generation, we're the worst, millennials, I'll, I'll admit it. So I'm talking to you millennials right here. Everybody else can just make fun of us for a second. Have a heart of compassion for us, okay? But 46% of millennials think it is wrong to tell other people about Jesus. These are Christian millennials. 46%, almost half of us think it's wrong to tell another person about our faith. Some of you are kind of like, well, I agree about that. That's because you're a millennial, okay? But we'll have compassion on you. We're going to teach you better. Okay, so here's the thing. 46% of people think that because there's a lot of things like, well, it's just arrogant, or I don't want to force my beliefs on somebody else, or, or all a whole host of different reasons why we think it's wrong to share our faith. But we have to share our faith. Not only are we commanded it, but it's the only way that people can be saved. The only way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's one way. It's not many ways, and Jesus is one of them. There's one way. There is no other name given to men under heaven by which we must be saved. That's what it says in Acts 4.12. There's one name. It's Jesus. So if we don't tell people, do you know where they're going? It's not going to be pleasant. It's eternal separation from God. I was at the pool yesterday with our kids, and, and we were out there, and there was a kid just kind of like bobbing up and down, and I noticed this kid all of a sudden was like kind of struggling to get out of the water, right? And was starting to get some water in his mouth and just like couldn't get out really. And I looked at the lifeguard to make sure the lifeguard was paying attention. And the lifeguard was staring right at this kid doing nothing. And I was like, dude, aren't, aren't you going to do something? As this kid just gets more and more water in his lungs. And the lifeguard looked at me and said, no, 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 that's arrogant. That, that there's got to be lots of different ways to survive. You don't necessarily need oxygen, right? I, I don't want to impose my salvation on that person. I'm just going to let them drown. If they need help, maybe they'll ask me, and then I'll go in there. Okay, that didn't happen. But what if it did? That'd be insane, right? If someone is dying, you save that person. Well, guess what? We have an entire world where people are dying and going to hell. And there's one way to be saved. It's not arrogant to save a person when they're drowning. It's not arrogant to tell someone about Jesus Christ as the only way to be saved. So millennials, <clears throat> let's step it up. It is good news. There's nothing better. Now if you give it to someone and they reject it, that's on them. 
but it's good news. Let's help people. We can save them. We can find a life transformation that changes their life now for the better and eternity for way better. For way better. So the first thing we've got to do is pray for a heart of compassion. Pray for a heart of compassion. And I, I say this because I have noticed that depending on which social media feeds you're getting or which primetime news you're watching, people become angrier and angrier at other people in the world. You felt this in your own heart? I have. I mean, there are problems and you watch it on primetime news, and I'm not even telling you which news source. It doesn't matter. You can watch all of them. There's somebody angry yelling about how awful people are and how foolish they are and stupid. And when you watch that night after night for three hours, or you listen uh, to a podcast with someone just griping about the world, or, or it's in your social media feed, you're getting angrier and angrier in your heart at people. Instead of compassion, you're having a heart of hatred and division. How could they be so foolish to believe that and to think that? See how I don't even need to say what kind of political <laughs> stage you're in? It's both sides, right? It's both sides. And I've had friends that are like, I'm getting off social media because it's making me angry. I'm not going to listen to that, that news person that I really like because they're making me just angry at other people. So maybe instead of doing that, let's pray for a heart of compassion. God, give me the same heart that you have to love people who maybe look differently than me, that talk differently than me, that have different political ideologies than me. How could I have a compassionate heart for them? How can I have a heart of compassion for them? Even Christians that you're like, man, what are you doing? Have a heart of compassion for the baby Christian who just needs to be helped and loved. So that's our first thing that I think, if we're going to begin with prayer and we're going to really learn to share our faith, let's pray for a heart of compassion. The second thing is that we need to start then praying for the hurting. Praying for the hurting. We're going to start realizing those people are hurting. They're really hurting deep down. And then we're going to start praying for them by name. And that's what I mean to begin with prayer. Start praying for the hurting around you. Jesus showed this same concept. In, in verse 35, if, if we jump back, it, you know, it says that Jesus went um, healing every sick, disease and sickness. So he's laying hands on people and praying for them, right? He's praying for the hurting. And he says that he saw the crowds and had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. These are hurting people, right? And I think we have to realize that these are hurting people who need help. And I want us to be a church that has a heart to pray for the hurting. I want to show you this sign. Um, this is a church here in Colorado. That's why I've, it, this isn't a pot shop in case you're wondering. No, if you are here last week, you know what I'm talking about. But this is a church. We love hurting people. There's two ways to read that sign, isn't there? <laughs> Just take it a second if, if you need to, okay? We need to be the, the first kind that loves people who are hurting. We don't love hurting people, okay? It's a church here in Colorado. Hopefully they've fixed that sign now. Um, because we actually need to start praying for the hurting, okay, to love them. So now we're, we're not adding to the hurt, okay? We're praying for them because we want to help them. We want to find healing for them and the healing that is found in Jesus and God's word. To start praying for them. And I do think that, that we need to, to just, like, ask God. It's amazing. So to begin with prayer, a lot of times when you're sharing your faith, you're like, who do I share with? How, what do I do? How, do? how do I do it? Just start, like, God, just, like, show me who to pray for. Just show me who to share my faith with. Show, show me when and where to do it. In the book, Bless, they share a story about a guy named Louis. And Louis was visiting the mall. And when he was in the wall, mall, he just 
um, felt God telling him to go up to this man he saw sitting on a bench by himself and to tell the man that God loves him. So he did what any of one of us would have done, was he said, no thanks, and he kept walking. Right? If you've ever felt a nudge from God and you're like, I don't know, that seems so weird. So he did that, and Louis kept walking, and he went to his store, and then he was at another part of the mall. He saw the same guy sitting on another bench. Felt that same tug on his heart, God telling him, go to that person and tell him that you love him. So he shrugged it off a second time. Went around to the mall, and in a third part of the mall, he saw that same guy sitting there, and he's like, fine, God, I'm going to do it. So he goes up to this, this man sitting on the bench by himself, and he says, I know I'm going to seem really weird, Louis said this, but I just need to tell you that God loves you. And the man just had tears fill his eyes. And he said, you know, this morning when I woke up, I felt like I was at the end of my rope and said, I, I told God, if you're real, show me that you love me. And now you told me this, and you're the third person today to tell me that. See, God is nudging us. If we would just begin with prayer, he'll lead us with his Holy Spirit to who is ready and who is hurting in that moment. And you would be amazed how many people are hurting. It doesn't matter how big their house are or how fancy their car is or how great their family photo looks on Instagram. If you've ever taken a family photo, you know life is not as good as the photo on Instagram, right? Mom's like, look at the camera! Dad's like, come on! Get, let's get this over with, right? <laughs> Just because it looks good on social media or it looks good when you're walking by their house on the street or you meet them and they're like, oh yeah, life's great. I am just made, got another raise. Like, that doesn't mean they're not hurting. You'd be amazed how many people are hurting. I mean, there's like 220 million prescriptions for antidepressants in our country, 330 million people. People are hurting, right? People need help. People need hope. People are lonely. So if we start praying for those hurting people, we'll be amazed at what God will do in the process. And I do encourage you to pray for people by name. In their book, John and Dave Ferguson say this, if you are not regularly praying for people by name, I doubt God will use you to help change them. See, we've got to start praying for people by name. And it's a really powerful thing to do. I, I have an app on my phone called Echo that I use, but you could use whatever way you want. And, and it reminds me who to pray for. So I put in people, like the neighbors in our courtyard, I put their names in. And, and when I learn something new about them, I put it in there to pray for them. So I can legitimately, this last week, when I talked with one of them who's a recovering alcoholic, he was sharing, you know, and he's, he's been in recovery for over a decade, which is awesome. And I said, that's amazing. I've been praying for your sobriety. He looked at me like, what? I was like, yeah, I really have. And I'm so glad that you're doing so well. That's awesome. And I can be honest about that in my conversations with him. And it's amazing the depth then that develops in the relationship when you're willing to tell someone, yeah, I'm praying for you in that specific thing. So I want to challenge you guys to pray for people by name and pray for their salvation as well. If it is truly only God who saves people and we can't do it, pray for their heart to be opened. I pray for certain people, especially people with Muslim backgrounds, I pray for them to have dreams. God could do the supernatural dream, right? I pray for certain people who don't believe in anything, they only believe in science. I'm like, God, give them supernatural moments that they can't explain. I do. People are going to be like, man, I saw a ghost the other day. I'm like, I don't know about the ghost, but there's a Holy Ghost, right? But if you start praying, if you start praying for people by name and praying for the lost, it'll be amazing because people are hurting. In Romans 10.1, 1, 
Paul taught us to pray this way. In Romans 10.1, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God on behalf of the Jewish people is that they would be saved. This is his people group. He's like, I'm praying for them all the time that they'd be saved, so we should do the same. Pray for the lost that they might be saved. So pray for a heart of compassion, one. Pray for the hurting, two. And three, pray for more harvesters. Harvesters, that's right, bud. Yeah, he's listening. I love it. You got a good one, Reba. Smart kid. Harvesters. Let's keep reading. Um, Then in verse 37, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, his followers, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He's saying, hey, we need more people to go out there to work in the harvest. And if you've ever been around a farm in harvest time, that is like all hands on deck. Everybody gets out there. There's so much work to do, not enough time to do it. we got to do it before winter comes and kills all the crops. Get the harvest out there. And Jesus says, right now is the time of the harvest. Now, this is amazing because Jesus does not say pray for a harvest. Do you notice that? He doesn't say pray for, for people's souls that there would be a harvest. There already is a harvest. We just need to go out and work in the harvest. That's why he's saying pray for more harvesters. we got to get out there. There are hurting people all around us. They are lonely. They are lost. They know it deep down that they need something more in their life. There is a harvest ready to be reaped. So pray for more harvesters. Pray for more harvesters. So that's what we need to pray. You know, I shared that stat that 46% of millennials think it's wrong to share their faith with someone. But those same polls done on non-Christians, unchurched people, say that 36% of those same millennials are curious and want to know more about other people's faith. 36%. And overall, 79% of people in our country wouldn't mind a conversation with you about faith. So 20%, you know, one out of five people might be like, I don't want to talk about it. But four to five would be like, oh yeah, let's talk some more. See, there is a harvest. People are curious about spiritual things. They want to know the deep truths of the world and what's really out there. So we need to pray for harvesters and for more of them. Pray for more harvesters. That's the third thing. But here's the way that Jesus works. And I love this passage. Um, Because, yes, Jesus is like, here's very clear, explicit. Pray for more harvesters, right? Simple. But then, chapter 10 comes. And we have these big numbers in our Bibles that like mark off chapters, but those were not originally there, okay? They didn't get put in there until like a thousand years after the Bible was written, okay? That's not divinely inspired. They're just there to help us. So if you keep reading, you realize that Jesus is telling us a fourth thing, and it's to pray as you harvest. To pray as you harvest. We're praying for more harvesters. God, give us more harvesters. Disciples, pray for more harvesters. But then look at chapter 10, verse 1. It says that Jesus called his 12 disciples, these guys who was just telling to pray for more harvesters, and he gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And then it says in verse 2, these are the names of the 12 apostles. Did you notice that? He, He brought the disciples, which is a fancy word for followers, learners, He brought them together, and now he is giving them power to go out as apostles. Do you know what the word apostle means? It means one who is sent out. These guys just flipped. They were disciples. They were followers. Now they're apostles. They're sent out. And then if you look down at verse 5, 
After it names the disciples, in verse 5 it says, these 12 Jesus sent out. He's like, guys, we really got to pray for more harvesters. And they're like, yeah. They all huddle together. They have a great prayer sesh. That felt good. Now Jesus is like, okay, now you guys are the harvesters. Go. Come on. Get to it. You've been praying for harvesters. Guess what? It's you. This is what I love about how Jesus does this. Yes, we should always pray for more harvesters, more people on fire for Jesus, wanting to tell others about Jesus and share their faith, to, go, to overcome those hurdles of fear. But we've got to pray as we harvest because we will find out we're the ones involved. We're the harvesters. Every single person who's a follower of Jesus will become one who is sent out. We are followers and we are sent out. We are disciples and we are apostles in the sense that we are sent out. Guys, tracking with me on this? This is a Taggerate, and we are very much a Taggerate church. I remember Dwight um, came up to me one Sunday because our parking lot was so packed. He's like, Matt, our parking lot's too full. We got to do something about it. I'm like, Taggerate? He's like, What? I was like, Yeah. So, so he's the one who, who, so, who oversaw the whole thing so that we could get this giant eight passenger golf cart and get it all secured here. He took care of all of that, which I'm so grateful for him because we're a Taggerate church. You're like, oh my gosh, there's so, much pe- so many people hurting around us. So many people lost and going to hell. Like, tag, you're it. When you're like, okay, who's going to tell my mom about Jesus? Tag, you're it. Who's going to tell my neighbor who is into some weird stuff about Jesus? Tag, you're it. Who's going to start a Bible study at my workplace? Tag, you're it. Okay, who, who's going to start working with those, those young parents? Like, they don't know what they're doing. Tag, you're it. What about all the single moms that are hurting? Like, isn't anybody going to help them? Tag your it. Okay? That's what Jesus is doing. That's why we need to pray as we harvest, because sometimes that can be the most terrifying, right? Am I really called to do that? Am I really called to go talk to that random stranger? Yes. Yes. So in the book, it really challenges to begin with prayer, with a simple prayer, and it's this. Pray for people to bless. Some of you already have some people in your mind, which is awesome. Praise God. But some of you need to just pray for people to bless. And even if you have a full list, pray for more people to bless. I've been praying this prayer for the last few months since I've been reading this book. And it's been awesome, the people that God has put into my past. Yesterday at the pool. Now, this is a true story. I was at the pool yesterday, and this is a true story. The other one was fake, I know. This one is true. You can ask Melissa. We were at the pool, and I had prayed yesterday morning. First thing, God give me someone to bless. It was in my, my prayer app, and I prayed it. God, give me someone to bless today. At the pool, there was a little boy that came over and was trying to play with Kanan's car, my son. He's two and a half. He was playing with all these cars in the pool because that's what you do when you're two and a half. This boy came over and wanted to play with Kanan's cars, and Kanan was like, you know how we all are, right? He knows. He's got two sisters. He's like, nah, these are mine. But I was like, hey, hey, Kanan, why don't we share a little bit? And then that boy brought some cars, and they were actually like, they didn't share necessarily, but they exchanged cars for a few minutes. And they were playing together, and then the parents came over, and I started talking to the parents. They had a hat on. I was like, oh, did you go to that school? And we started talking and talking. And at one point, they were, asked me the question, well, what do you do for work? And I'm like, well, <laughs> I told them. And then there's like nothing. So sometimes that's like a conversation ender. I'm like, okay. But then a few minutes later, they were like, well, Matt, why did you decide to be a pastor? And I was like, Phew. it's like, well, now I get to share you my testimony. I get to share my story. And I told a little bit about our church, but I didn't even invite him, okay? I didn't do a good job, right? That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to invite a friend. But after we got out of the pool, because some kid puked, 
You know I'm not making that story up, right? <laughs> and we're, we're getting out of the pool and getting all our stuff together. That mom comes over and she said, what was the name of your church again? We've been looking and I think we want to come. We're out of town for a month, but we're going to come check out your church. I'm like, awesome. God gave me someone to bless yesterday. And, like, I, I was not looking to, like, form a friendship at the pool. Like, I got enough kids to watch so that nobody's drowning myself because those lifeguards, I don't know. I'm kidding. Okay, I love the lifeguards. But if you start praying, God, give me something to bless, you'll be amazed at the people God puts in your path who are hurting and that need Jesus. So one, pray for what? For heart of compassion. Two, pray for the hurting. Pray for them by name. Pray for that salvation. Three, we need to pray for more harvesters. We need more people out there. Keep praying that. And four, we need to pray as we harvest. I really think if we just started and said, hey, I'm going to do the B first. I'm going to begin with prayer. We'll be able to love our neighbors and change the world. All right, I want to show you a little video from uh, Taylor Dennington. If we can, can roll that video. Hi, my name is Taylor Dennington. I've been attending Arise for over five years. And uh, one of the things I've noticed is that uh, when sharing your faith with somebody, it can be really intimidating. And, um, you know, it, it's really a hurdle for a lot of people in sharing their faith. And for me, one of the things that I've found effective in overcoming that hurdle is actually praying. Uh, praying beforehand for help from God to uh, give me the right words and for uh, the comfort in knowing that it's not necessarily up to me to convert somebody, but um, you know, at least to share the gospel with them or, or show an interest in them and their faith. Uh, so for me, I have a friend, a really close friend of mine, I've known for several years, who doubted Christianity. And one day we were out on a walk, and I just asked him about his faith and, and how it was going. Uh, and this was after I had started taking my faith a lot more seriously. And... Um, you know, I kind of shared my, my history with them and my experience. And uh, while we were on the walk, we actually just prayed. I just, I said, hey, do you mind if we just pray? Like, I know it can be uncomfortable. And I, I was surprised at how receptive he was to that. And so we stopped in the middle of the trail and just prayed that the Holy Spirit would show him the truth and, um, and help him with his faith. And so about a month or so later, I ended up getting a text from him saying that he had gone to Easter service for the first time in many years. And he thanked me for, for having that conversation and for um, helping him in his faith. Something that can just help you um, move forward and, and, and help uh, share your faith is just is turning to prayer. And, uh, you know, again, whether that's before having a conversation with somebody or just praying with an unbeliever, um, you know, it's just something that um, I think a lot of people don't think about doing. But for me, it's been effective in helping me have those difficult conversations. All right. Thank you, Taylor. Okay. I want everybody to reach underneath their seats, underneath your seats. There should be one of these cards with a pen underneath your seats. And if you're online, there's a link to this form, or you can follow it at arisedenver.com slash bless. Find this form. This card, it says bless on the front. And if you flip it around, it says, who is my neighbor? Okay, there's your house in the center, and there's four squares. We want you to take that pen and write down four names. Likely, these may be your actual four neighbors around you, okay? And you can put more than four. I just want everybody to start writing down four names that you're going to start praying for. If you're like, well, I don't know, should I do my house? Maybe for you, you're spending all your time at work. This could be the people in the four cubicles around you, okay? 
the, the four rooms nearest you. Or maybe it's the four people that work out with you every time in the morning. I, I don't care who are those four people around you. I want you to take a minute and write those names in right now. And yes, it says if you don't know their names, just be like, dude that always wears a hat, okay? Start praying for dude with a hat, okay? So I want to challenge you to begin with prayer. After McKinley shared with me that she was afraid of what her and Alice would think. I said, well, why don't we pray about it? And we prayed together. She prayed and I prayed, you know, even for courage, you know, to, to overcome fears. Because that's what courage is. It's not the absence of fear. It's overcoming the fears we have. And last night, I overheard her telling Melissa, she said, Mom, I'm going to invite Alice to the Splash Bash. And I was like, yes. Because the Splash Bash on August 28th is going to be awesome. And she knows that she's like, I want my friend there. I want my friend there. So I want to encourage everybody, start praying. Just begin with prayer. Even if you're still terrified of the thought of sharing your faith, just start praying. Just start praying. Begin with prayer. Now, if you're here, we're, we're about to wrap up with this last song, but some of you maybe haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ yet. So I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe someone invited you here today and you felt hurting in your heart. You know that you're longing for something deeper and more. Well, that more is Jesus because he came down from heaven and he not only loved people and healed people, but he prayed for us. Even while he was on the cross dying for our sins, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took our punishment for our sins and offers us forgiveness for all of our sins, past, present, and future, so that we can have eternal life with him in heaven. Isn't that amazing? Jesus saves you. All you have to do is receive. So if you're here and you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want to give you a simple prayer. And what we do here is I give you this simple prayer. It's not magical, but it's a simple way that you can accept that gift of eternal life. And if you're a follower of Jesus already, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time. So would you please bow your heads with me? And please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. Heal me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Help me to follow him. Fill me with your spirit. And help me to share my faith with others. Now, with eyes closed, nobody's looking around right now. And you said that prayer for the first time. And Jesus is now your Lord and Savior. I want you to put your hand into the air on the count of three and hold it up there high. One, two, three. Put your hand up in the air. Praise God. Let's welcome those people into the kingdom. Praise God. Lord God, we're so grateful to worship you because you sent your own son, Jesus, to come down for us. And you are so holy, yet you still died a sinner's death in our place that we could be forgiven and have new life. Heal us. Give us hope and help us to share that hope with those around us. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.